I feel like, for whatever reason, I feel like I never really fit in. I would go to school, and I was never the popular kid in class. I was always the one who had to, like, really go out of his way to find a friend. Um, I remember I was the one who was picked on a lot. I remember in, I think we lived in Baltimore, Maryland at the time, and I had a friend named Matthew Lincoln. I believe I was in third or fourth grade, and we called him Link. And, uh, He was about the closest thing that I had to a best friend when I was in fourth grade. The trouble was, is that even at the age of, you know, I would say, I guess, eight or nine, right around fourth grade, I felt like he and I would hang out and we'd play video games. We had that in common. But there was just this, I always felt, even with him, that I just didn't connect. I didn't fit in. And that kind of followed me all the way up through, you know, up through high school. And I don't know, maybe it had something to do with the fact that I was the kid who wore sweatpants all the time. <laughs> like I had like red sweatpants, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I was never the kid who really had a lot of friends. And then I went into high school and I didn't feel like I fit in there either. And if any of you uh, know me now, this might come to a shock to you if you didn't know when I was a teenager, but I actually didn't fit in in high school either. And so I got connected with a group of guys who all wore black trench coats and, uh, you know, spikes and sunglasses. I mean, that was me in high school. I was, I was the guy who everybody hated. But you know, the thing was, is that I was searching for something. I was searching for a relationship with people. And the problem was, is that because I wasn't connected to people, because I didn't have meaningful relationships with individuals, I had to find something to protect me. And that's how I ended up in that group. And then, and then, you know, God was faithful to me, but all along, I just felt like I didn't fit. I felt like I didn't, I didn't belong anywhere. I felt like I was sort of an outcast. Like I was like, God, why did you make me to be this person if, if no one is going to like connect with me on a deep level. And I'm, what I'm, I'm not trying to like say, oh, boo-hoo, Jared. Like, like I had friends, but I didn't have, I felt like no matter how close I was with people, I never felt like I could share the deepest parts of myself, the, the fears that I had or the frustrations that I had or the, you know, the, those types of things. I always felt like my relationships were kind of shallow. And then I went to college in Florida at a school called Southeastern University, great school. And, and I remember praying, I said, God, please send me a friend. Please send me someone who will connect with me. And God sent me my best friend, Scott Phillips. And he now lives in Nashville. And he and I share, we always joke, we share a brain. So he and I, it's like, I'll be here in Pittsburgh and I'll be thinking something. And then he'll give me a text message about that topic. It's crazy. It's weird. But he's my best friend. We have so much in common, but we're very different. And that's, that's a key thing to understand. In relationships, to have valuable relationships, you don't have to be the same as the person next to you. You just need to have, have a connection point that, that, that ties you together and, and then common interests and those types of things. But the problem is, is that over time, you know, with this church plant, us starting a new church, you get busy, right? How many of you guys can, can identify with this same idea that I would love to have friendships, I would love to have deep relationships, but I am just so busy. I don't have time to do hardly anything. All of things get in the way. We're tired. We're busy. We work too much. We're, you know, we're, we're constantly battling against the clock. And what ends up happening to our relationships, even good relationships become shallow over time. Because we don't take the time to invest in those, in those relationships. Like I said, my best friend in Nashville, Scott, he and I are very, very close. But over the last couple of months, he and I have had a harder time connecting because I've been so busy and he's been busy. And if you're not careful, what happens is over time, that relationship, my closest friend, could become something no closer than an acquaintance if you're not careful. So 
And I think we all can identify with this. This isn't just me. I mean, we all work too much. We all spend too much time on Facebook, on Twitter, on TV. We're just zoning out. I mean, hear me out, right? So when you come home from work, you're exhausted. I'm tired. I just want to sit down and watch television, right? That's what you're thinking. I just want to sit down and I just want to enjoy some TV. And you zone out. And it's like you forget the whole world. You forget everything. And if you're not careful, the person sitting right next to you or right across from you could again, you could just lose touch with them and those relationships can become shallow. We're involved in too many projects and all of these things, not necessarily bad things, television, Facebook, work, all of these things are good things. But if we're not careful, what they end up doing is that they keep us from our wives. They keep us from our boyfriends and our girlfriends. They keep us from our kids, from our friends. They keep us from our church, from things that are important in life. If we let the things that are in our lives control us, we end up becoming slaves to those types of things. You know, I think it's funny. When I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about, like, all of our technology. The things that are actually designed to help us connect easier with people. So, like, our smartphones and our, you know, like, Facebook and Twitter. These are all designed to help people connect more, right? Social media, it's social. The whole idea is to be out there so people can hear you. The trouble is, is that the things that are actually designed to help us connect easier end up pushing us away from the, the important, valuable aspects of relationships, like conversation and time with each other, the things that actually help you grow. And the funny thing is, is that, and this is on the, on the screen up here, is that we actually know what restaurant our friends ate at, but we have no idea whether or not our friends are hurting or if they're actually, like, happy in life. I mean, you know it's true. I do. I mean, I have, like, six million friends on Facebook. Right? I mean, how many you can count how many friends on Facebook that you have? I have a lot, right? Most of us have a lot of friends on Facebook. But what do you see on the Facebook feeds? Oh, having a party out at Buca de Beppo like last night. It was actually on my feed. One of my family members like tagged me, said, family dinner. We were out at dinner in Station Square. But you have no idea. Like, how's Jared doing? Like, is he, like, happy in life? Is he hurting? Is he struggling with something? I mean, maybe you have the same thing with your family. But I hope you get the point is that even the technology, the things that are designed to connect us better with people, end up pushing us farther away from each other to where now we are stuck with relationships that feel pretentious or shallow. So how do we get to a place where our relationships are meaning, and how they add value to our lives, where we can belong, where we feel like we fit in in life, and like I don't have to struggle constantly feeling like I don't belong anywhere? Well, that brings us today's, to today's main idea, and that is this, is that relationships become meaningful when we intentionally choose to share who we are and what we have with others. Now, if you, uh, when you came in, you were given a program. Inside of it is a note page. If you're interested, uh, the notes are on the screen. You can write them down. There's some fill-in-the-blanks. If that's kind of your thing, you can follow along with us. Um, if you have Bibles, I encourage you to bring your Bible every week. Or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, get the Version Bible app, and you can follow along with us. We'll always have the scriptures on the screen here for you. Um, but it's important to know how to read your own Bible and to follow along with that. So, But the words will always be here on the screen with you. But let's, let's go through this again. If you guys want, if you could, maybe read this together with me. Relationships become meaningful when we intentionally choose to share who we are and what we have with others. Now, this speaks to something. This speaks to choice. It speaks to us making a decision, an intentional decision to make our relationships be valuable, to be meaningful. That says that you and I have a responsibility. We can't just pretend and and say, woe is me. I have no friends. I have nowhere to belong. Well, what are you doing to try to fit in? 
Are you making choices to pour into other people's lives? Are you making choices to add value? If you have a friendship that you said, man, I used to be such close friends with such person, well, what are you doing to make sure that relationship is still intact? Have you called that person recently? Have you, have you made a, a, an appointment to go hang out with them or anything recently? If you have a long, like a long lost family member or somebody that you're like, man, I wish I had a relationship with, with a certain person. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I wish I had a meaningful, valuable relationship with my family. Well, it might not happen overnight, but it could start today if you make the choice to intentionally choose to share who you are with people, to be vulnerable enough to open yourself up to people and say, this is who I am, I'm going to share it with you. And that's dangerous, I know that. I know that it's dangerous to say, well, if I open myself, then I could possibly get hurt. Yes, you might, but you're certainly going to be alone if you don't try. So open up who you are and then share what you have with others. And let's see what, let's see what God has to say about this very topic. We're going to read together in the Bible. It's Acts chapter 2. And the next two slides have this passage of Scripture from Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. If you have a Bible, please you know, go ahead and, and follow along or on your tablet. And it says this. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now, first of all, that line right there, okay? Like, that does not sound like America to me, right? All the believers met together and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, do you guys notice a pattern in that scripture there? Let's go back to the first slide if you can. And it says, all the believers met together and they shared and they worshiped together and they shared their meals together. The, the picture that, with, that the, the Bible and in chapter, Acts chapter 2 is drawing for us is this, this group of people who seem to have found something a meaningful relationship with something, with someone, and then they found each other. So this is what the story, this is the very beginning of the Christian church. Jesus had died on the cross. He had come back to life and he went back to heaven. And before he did, he shared the message of the gospel. Go to the world and show people the love that I have for them and how to, and teach the good news to them. And these disciples, right after that, about 120 days later, or they were up in a room together. And, and the Bible tells us that that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, came down upon them and actually like filled them up with just power and life. And so what happens is, is after this, their lives came alive. They realized they were connected now all of a sudden to their creator, to the God who made them. They were no longer alone on this earth anymore. And so they were, they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy and with wonder. And so they decided, why would I go spend time over here with this person who sucks me dry every day instead? I'm going to spend time with this person who loves me, who's gracious and who's awesome. And we have things in common. And so the Bible paints a picture of these people. And they're spending time every day with each other. They're living life together. Their relationships were meaningful. And it actually says that as this was happening, every day God added to their number. It's attractive when you have relationships that are powerful, when relationships are healthy, when they're balanced, when they're, when they're filled with life, filled with joy. Things grow. 
That's what happens, and that's what happened to them. We are here 2,000 years later in this building now because of what was happening then. Because of this relationship of people who came together and they said, you're not just my friends, you're my family. And that's what's available here at this church. And not just our church, any church, any life-giving church wants you to be a part of a family. Wants you to have relationships that matter. Relationships that you can rely on people. You say, okay, Jerry, well, that's all well and good. That's great. That's it. That we see it that the bar is set high. That God says, this is how relationships should be. But you look all around you and you say, I can tell you that's not happening. In my neighborhood, at least. I mean, do you know your neighbor? Do you, you know, do you go to baseball games with, like, your neighbor? Maybe some of you do, but most of us don't. The relationships that we have oftentimes are... Um, What's the word? Like frail at best or their, their struggle or, the, you know, there's tension in them because we're not doing them the right way. So if we want to try to mimic, though, this type of a relationship, if our lives, we believe that here, that it is accomplishable. If we can do it. We can have meaningful relationships. We need to understand what defines a meaningful relationship. And again, this is on the screen and you can take notes and you have blanks. Number one, what defines a meaningful relationship is quality time. Quality time. This is found in the scripture. Okay, so all of this, so you guys know, is not just Jared's, like, you know, self-help book. This is from the Bible, from the exact passage, Acts chapter 2, 44 to 47. All of this comes from that, okay? So quality time. That means spending time with people. You can't expect to have a solid, valuable, meaningful relationship with someone if you never, ever see them or spend any time with them. Now, hear me, quantity is not the same thing as quality. I understand you're busy. You may be an executive and you have a lot of work to do. You put in 60-hour weeks. I'm not saying don't work 60-hour weeks. What I am saying is, is that you have to choose your time effectively. And when you want to have meaningful relationships, you need to spend quality time with people. So if all you have is an hour a night with your kids, make sure you're doing something with your kids that is valuable. Don't just put on a movie and have your kids, like, sit there and you don't speak to them for the hour. Spend time with them. Quality time with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or your best friend or someone you want to know and someone you think could be a valuable relationship with you. Spend quality time with that person. We have to choose. Remember the main idea, intentionally choose to share who we are and what we have. So quality time is number one in defining a meaningful relationship. Number two is generosity generosity. So we saw in scriptures, it said that they met together often and they shared everything they had. Now, am I telling you to go out and sell your house and sell your car and sell everything that you have and donate it to Encounter Church? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the stuff that we have, they're given to us by God. I believe that. I believe that everything we have is given to us by God. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And so they're, but they're not just things for our own benefit. They're actually things that are meant to be used as tools to build relationships and to share God's love with other people. So what we see in this passage of scripture was this, that's what they were doing. They would, they would go through their lives throughout their day and they would give. If anybody had a need or they bought someone lunch, I'm going out to lunch with my brother and we're going out together. And I'm like, Hey, Chris, let me buy your lunch. My brother's name is Chris, by the way, he played the drums. He's awesome. And so like, so we do that often. I mean, our family is just generous with each other. We pay for things for each other. We do that because, not because we have to, but because it's just, that's what you do in relationship. Meaningful relationships is generosity. We just share with each other. So quality time and generosity. So first, those are two things right there, okay? If you could start doing those two things today, 
like your relationships are already going to go up a notch. But there's more. What else defines a meaningful relationship? Number three is grace. Grace. This is a word, a fancy word. Grace just means you are given something that you don't deserve. Okay? And so when you spend quality time with people, when you're spending, you know, day in and day out or a few times a week or, you know, have you ever had that, like a Christmas vacation or maybe even on vacation with your family or you go somewhere with a friend and you spend time with them and after a couple of days you kind of get a little, you know, a little annoyed with each other or there's just some tensions and you find yourself bickering a little bit here and there. It's okay. It's normal. The difference between relationships that are valuable and meaningful and relationships that are not and that are shallow is that when those problems arise, when those frustrations, when those tensions, those annoyances arise, we have grace and say, I love you more. I love you more than this problem or this issue. So we're going to move beyond it. We're going to find ways. Hey, you made a mistake. You said something you didn't mean. Okay, it's all right. I forgive you. Don't worry about it. And even if they don't ask for forgiveness, that's tough. Okay, sometimes they're not going to know that they did anything wrong when they hurt you. And it's not necessarily your job. I'm saying yes, in healthy relationships, you need to communicate. But it's not always your job to say, you wronged me, I'm hurt. You need to take the step, regardless of whether they ever do or not, and forgive that person. Say, let's just move on. Let's move forward. Not putting things under the, under the rug. I'm not saying hiding things. I'm saying giving grace when you have been wronged and saying, you know what? That person doesn't deserve or they hurt my feelings. I'm going to move beyond it. That's grace. So quality time in a relationship, generosity, grace, responsibility is another one. Responsibility. This means that that you will take on the burdens of an individual who you care about. That's another thing that distinguishes meaningful, valuable relationships is, is whether or not you care enough if that person is struggling to do something about it. There are lots of people who, you know, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm struggling. I can't pay my, my car bill or I'm about to get evicted or whatever. And your coworker will go, man, that really stinks. I'm sorry, dude. Sorry, man. Like, I mean, have you ever been in a conversation like that where you're like pouring your heart out to somebody because you're just at the end of your rope or you're frustrated or whatever? And then you do that and the person offers you kind of like a token. Sorry, but they don't do anything about it. A friend. A real friend, a true friend, an individual who cares, someone who has a meaningful, valuable relationship with you will say, I'm going to help you through this. We're going to find a way to make this work for you and to get you through this. That's responsibility. So defining relationships, quality time, generosity, grace, responsibility, and finally, faith. Faith. And this is an interesting one because it wasn't like overtly stated in the scripture passage. It didn't say, and everyone came to know Jesus and that was a requirement to be friends. Like it didn't say that. But what it is saying, if you read the underlying, the underlying message in there is that they were all together, praising God together. They understood that the reason that they were friends, the reason they were connected to each other wasn't just because they were neighbors. It was because they had a common thread, which was faith in God. And it's important for you to understand that they didn't find meaning because they were friends. They found the meaning. They found belonging. They fit in because of who they found first, which was Jesus. They found a relationship with their creator, which gave them purpose in life, which then unlocked the ability for them to have strong, meaningful relationships. They were able to belong to a community of of, of other believers and spend time together because they had this uniting factor. I mean, think about that. 
Who is going to be a friend with someone who's completely different, lives a completely different lifestyle than them? The only way that that happens is if you have some overriding force that pulls you together. And that's what happens in this story, is they all had a common faith in their creator. And it gave them meaning in their life. Their life, they were no longer running in circles or running around like a chicken with their head cut off, trying to figure out how to get through life. They realize now they had a connection with the one who made them, the one who loved them. Jesus, who came, God, from our earth to, from heaven to earth, came and lived life and said, follow me and I will show you how to stop running around like a chicken with your head cut off. I will show you what true life really is. I will show you how to have true relationships with your father in heaven and with those around you. And you will not be struggling anymore with life. And that is what he, what, what each of them found. They said, I want to know this life that you're offering Jesus. And so when they followed him, now something came alive inside of them. They found that they belonged. And it didn't matter anymore if they didn't belong in this club or that club. Because now they were considered a child of God. The one, the only person who mattered to them was God in heaven. The one who created them. The one who knows them. The one who knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows how many feet, how many toes you have on your feet. He knows how much money you have in the bank account. He knows everything. And it's not like he's some creeper up in the sky. It's that he loves you. He created you and wants to know you. And when you really accept the love that Jesus has for you, when you accept that love, it's like everything else melts away. It doesn't matter anymore if my coworker is a jerk. It doesn't matter anymore if I can't pay my bills tomorrow. It doesn't matter anymore about all these frustrations. My past, the struggles that I had growing up trying to find friends. If my, all my friends left me, if I had no one else left in the world ever again, if everyone hated me, I would be okay because I have the creator of the universe who has my back. He loves me and he loves you. Now that is what they found. They found that. And that's what brought them together. And they shared it together. So yes, quality time and grace and relationship and response, excuse me, responsibility and, and, and generosity. All of these things are important in relationships. But you will never truly have the potential to reach where the full potential in your relationships with others until you have the relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you that because when you have a, a relationship with God, what happens is that you now start to live life differently than you did before. All the things that, that make our world a terrible place to live, the selfishness, the greed, the frustrations, the anger, the violence, everything that we hate about our world, all the things that we war inside of us every day, all of the things that we even despise about ourselves. You know, the things that you do over and over and over again every week with your family or you yell at your kids or, or whatever. I keep getting fired from my jobs because of this thing that I just can't seem to fix it. Whatever it is, that is your sinful nature living inside of you. And if you're new to this, what is sin? Sin is just a fancy word for saying you're not living the way God described it's, it's, you're going the opposite direction of what God says. This is how you should live. This is how I designed life. And as you, as you, you know, like as you, when you come to know Jesus, when you decide to follow him and start trying to live a life of faith in God, well, now what happens is, is that your life, you start to become less selfish. You start to become less greedy. You start to become, you know, more caring. You become more generous. All of these good things come flowing out of you because of the Spirit of God living inside of you. 
And that is what helps your relationships. There are people, and you may have experienced this, you say, yeah, I have really good friends and I have a really good family and I don't know Jesus. You may say, but I would tell you if you were honest with yourself, if you were to take an honest inventory of your relationships, you would say, but you know what? I still struggle. I still have these frustrations. I, I, I can't control. Sometimes I just do things and I hurt people like emotionally or I say things like, and I'm not saying that when you find Jesus that all of a sudden you become like an angel. What I am saying, though, is that you will find a dramatic difference in the, the relationships that you have. The, the potential, just the ceiling raises on them when you have faith in your life. So to wrap those, what defines a meaningful relationship? Quality time, generosity, grace, responsibility, and faith. And, you know, we have another word for those attributes. If you were to package them up in a one, it's one word. Love. Love. And that's it. Jesus came. If you boiled everything down that Jesus said, it came down to this. He said, love your neighbor and love. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. So when you, when you are generous, you're showing that I love you so much that I'm going to give you what I have. When you spend time with someone, you're saying, I love you so much that I want to be with you. When, when you're going to be when you're going to be, give grace to someone, you say, I love you enough that this thing is not going to let us stop our relationship from moving forward. When you love someone, you say, I love you enough that I'm going to help you through your problems. And when you have faith, it's, I love God enough that I know that he loves you enough that I'm going to love you like he loves you. That's, that's what love is all about. And it's designed to help us grow. It's designed to help us move forward. Anything that is alive, Anything that is good in life, anything that is growing, is, 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 anything that is alive and healthy is growing. If something is not healthy, it dies. So examine your relationships. Is your relationship with your mom or with your best friend growing or is it dying? Is it becoming deeper and more meaningful or is it becoming more shallow and, and more pretentious? If it's going the bad direction, then what you probably need to do is start pushing into these attributes. And I would encourage you to find the first, which is faith. Now, I can tell you, so you heard about my story in the beginning and how it was a struggle for me. And how I've, I've had a hard time all my life finding good, close friends and, and things like that. But I want to tell you oh, the flip side of it and how God has, has redeemed it. How this has been an example in my own life. And the perfect example of this is my family. My, my family and I are extremely close. I've been blessed with a wonderful mom and a, and a wonderful dad who they're pastors as well. And they have done nothing but raise us to, to, to show how to actually truly love people and to love God first. My mom and my dad always told me, they said, Jared, I don't care what you are when you grow up as long as you love Jesus. And that's it. They said, you could be a trash man. You could be an astronaut. You could be a pastor. They're like, I'd love it if you'd be a pastor. But, you know, and that's what they said. And, and my mom still says it to this day. And she, she's so proud of me and, and the rest of my family because of that. I have deep, deep relationships with my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister and, and even my extended, uh, you know, family because, because of these types of relationships. I can tell you we spend quality time together. I can tell you that we help each other. I can tell you that we have grace. Oh, there's a lot of grace required sometimes because we are in a loud Italian family. And, man... You know, sometimes we say things or just we're emotional bunches, you know, and we say stuff and you got to have grace for that. You know, um, responsibility, we take care of each other. But I will tell you the thing that knits us together the most is our faith in God. That is the thing that unites us. And then my relationship is my best friend, Scott. And, you know, and, and some of my other friends, people that I have 
that I have deep relationships with, people that I can turn to when I have troubles, when I'm going through something. I can call up my best friend, Scott. He's not a pastor. I mean, he knows about ministry and stuff, but if I were to talk to him and be like, Scott, I had the worst day today, and he's going to listen to me, and he's going to pray for me, and he's going to help me, and he's going to help me through. He's just going to be there. There have been times where he just sent me money in the mail just because he was like, I don't know if you need this, but here. Like, or whatever, you know? We spend time together. We call each other on the phone. Those types of things. I have wonderful relationships that add value to my life because we're not going through it alone. God is in heaven, and he said, I'm going to send you people. I want you to have relationships with others. We were not meant to be live life alone. We were meant to belong in places and to have relationships. And I can tell you that I belong. I have fit in with friends and with family and with church. And that same thing is available to you. And it's possible. What could that look like? I mean, this is, I want to tell you, my life is busy. All right? I am a very, very busy individual. My life is ruled by my calendar. But I want to give you some very specifics, like specific details about how you can do the same thing. And it doesn't have to look exactly the same, but it can look like this. I built you a nice little table here. So with my wife. So this is what I'm saying. Make time for important relationships. This is the key to all of this. Just make time for important relationships. Number one, with my wife. Her and I, Heather, we have a date night on a weekly basis. Every Thursday night is date night. And any of you guys who know me know that you better not call me at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. Why? Because I will not answer. And it's because my phone is off. It's in another room. And Heather and I are either playing games or we're watching a movie or we're going out to dinner somewhere. We have made the conscious choice to spend time with each other and investing in our relationship, spending quality time with each other. And the reason we found that is because of the opposite end of it is that when we weren't spending quality time together, we were being so busy, what ended up happening was is it was like, I have a really great roommate. Like, her and I, like, we're good friends. I mean, we've never gotten to the place where, like, it was a problem. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, it's not uncommon in marriage. Any of you who are married, if you don't spend time with your spouse, quality time, you know what I'm talking about. You can get to this place where it's like we just don't have a connection with each other really strongly and we're kind of snipping at each other and all that kind of stuff. But the more we spend time together, the more we're on the same page. So we made time for that. Example with my kids, family movie night. So we, we spend time with our kids every Friday night, whenever possible. We sit down, we get some pizza, we watch a kid's movie, and we have a good time. Other times, we'll go out to Chuck E. Cheese, or, you know, we'll just, you know, take the kids out to the park, and we'll walk around. We'll go for walks through the cemetery here in Lawrenceville. We'll just do stuff together. Something my mom and my dad instilled in us when we were kids, and we do to this day, is family vacations. Every year, we go on vacation. We take time away. And if you don't have money to go on vacation like away somewhere, just do something. Go to Kennywood or, you know, whatever it might be. Just take a day off from work or on a Saturday and say, hey, guys, we're going to go to a park and just play together. Whatever you can do to invest in your kids. Friends. This sounds weird, but I schedule phone calls with my friends. <clears throat> I schedule phone calls. I schedule hangouts. I'm a very busy person. My calendar rules my life. But it's either, it's either I've, well, I'll find time someday, which turns into never. Because if you are a very busy person, you're never going to end up with that person unless you actually schedule it. So I just make it work. It's not like it's, you know, like, um, it's not like it's difficult. You know, they're my friends. So when I hang out with them at 6 o'clock at this restaurant, we go and it's just like it was unplanned anyway. My point in this is that I make time to talk to my friends. Me and my best friend Scott, again, I told you, every two weeks at 12 o'clock on, I think it's Wednesday, we have a phone call. And he and I just talk for an hour. What's going on, man? What's going on in your life? How you doing? Oh, yeah, I saw the video on Facebook about Micah. He's walking now. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's what builds relationships with God. I build it into my schedule every day. I get up in the morning, you know, and I read my Bible. I have the Version app on my phone and on my iPad. Um, and what it is, it's, they have, like, daily reading plans. And I have the one-year Bible plan, 
where every day there's a series of passages that I go through. And sometimes I'm driving in the car. I'll plug my phone into the car. I have one of those little auxiliary jacks. And I just let it go. And I'm listening. And every morning, whenever I'm driving somewhere, I listen and I'll pray beforehand. I say, God, just open my heart to hear what you want to say to me. I'm just praying while I'm driving. And you can do that. Don't make it like, like an activity to where it's like, I have to do it. I have to get up at 730 every morning. I mean, it can be if that works for you. But if you're a person who needs variety, then find creative ways to meet with God. Build it into your schedule. And even like other pastors. I do this with other pastors all the time. You know, I'll call them. I just make time to to talk to people at work or I just, I find time to intentionally do it. Um, A great mentor of my life, his name is Pastor Jeff Leake. He's the pastor of Allison Park Church. Many of you know him because you're from that church. And um, he came to our staff retreat when I was at another uh, church and taught about, you know, healthy living. And he said, you know, people often say that they want balance. You know, and he said this, he said, balance is impossible. Strive for health. And the difference is, is what happens is that like we try to have balance. So it says, okay, well, I'm a really busy person. I have a wife and I have kids and I have friends and I want to, you know, read and I want to play tennis and I want to go hiking and I want to go camping. So if you were to try to do balance, you'd say, okay, I'm going to work three hours today. I'm going to spend an hour with my kids. I'm going to do two hours at lunch. I'm going to do whatever, you know, you just, you try to divide it out. It's impossible. Your work requires you to be there a certain amount of time. And some of you work jobs require to be even longer than that. There's no way for you to be able to have balance in your life. And what Pastor Jeff was saying is that there are seasons in your life where sometimes you're going to be busier than others. And that's when you have to rely on health. You have to say, okay, is my relationship with my family healthy right now even though I'm working? And sometimes you have to make choices. So you go, I'm in a really busy season of my life right now, and I can't get away from that. Work is going to make me be here 60 hours a week. Okay, well, I need to spend time with my family because that's important for me. It's not healthy, or I need to make it healthy. So I'm going to spend time with my family, which means I have to say no to something else. Maybe, maybe a friend who's been calling, hey, I want to go out with you this week. You know, I really can't. I need, I've been really busy at work. I need to spend time with my family. Or whatever it is. Health you have to maintain the important things in your life and balance them healthy. You're not, and some, sometimes you're going to be at work that's going to take a little more of a backseat and your family needs to be the priority. It's about health, striving for health. So what would this look like? This is, we're going to wrap up here. What would it look like if we could have these types of meaningful relationships? What would it look like? It would be a church that's a family instead of a club. A lot of you have gone to churches before and you felt like you didn't fit in or you didn't belong because you were a part of, you know, like something that's like, I didn't, I don't have anything to contribute to you or to offer to you. So I'm going to, I, I don't fit in. I feel like it's more of like a club. It's a place where you belong. We believe in Encounter Church that you belong here. You belong in a family and relationships. It's kind of like Cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name or at least somebody knows your name. I want you to walk out of these doors here today where someone that you didn't know met you. That's my goal. That's our goal at Encounter Church is for you to come in here and to not leave the same way. That's why we called our church Encounter Church because we want you to have an encounter with a God who loves you. And so at least someone said, I know, I now know that person. If you come back next week, well, now you know, you know somebody and you can fit in and belong here. It's a place where others are welcome and can be connected to the God that created them. What would that look like? And it's about like living life together. And here are some examples I came up with. Eating together, spending time having dinner with your friends. If you walk out of here today and you have friends and you say, you know what, let's go get some lunch together at the food truck roundup right afterwards. Like instead of parting ways, go together and do something together. Go to your kids' baseball games together. Spend time doing like activities with your families together. 
Spend time with your family. Have family activities. Build into your life activities with your family. Go on vacations. Have fun together. But also, live life, your struggles together. Don't leave people alone. If you're struggling with something, reach out to a friend. If you know a friend or a family member who's struggling with something, go through it with them. Frustrations, financial help. This is what the life looked like for the brothers and sisters in the Christian world in Acts chapter 2. This is what they did. They helped each other. They prayed together. They served at church together. They encouraged each other. They babysat each other's kids when their wives and their husbands needed to go out on dates. Like, whatever it is for you and for your friends, ultimately, you need to just do that to live life together. But as I said earlier, there's only so far that we can get in our relationships without having a relationship with the one who created us in the first place. And that's Jesus. And I want to give you a chance today, if you don't know who Jesus is or if you don't have a relationship with him, I want to give you a chance to have, a, a, to be able to start a relationship with your creator. Because remember, the, the believers in the book of Acts, they were not just, they were not just a, a social club or a group of people who were on a justice mission. The reason that they were able to pour into each other, the reason the value and meaning of their entire relationship was because they first found a relationship with the God who made them, who understands them. And it's the same truth is available for you today. Would you close your eyes all around this room? A relationship with Jesus is, for someone who's never, maybe never done it or never never had a, even a choice or doesn't know much about church, maybe this is your first time in church completely and you're thinking, this all sounds really good. I mean, who wouldn't want to have relationships of depth and value? And this, this man named Jesus who lived on earth and came from heaven to earth and said, let me show you how to live life. But the problem was, is that each of us have this, like I said, this sinful nature, this human nature in us that, that naturally resists against God. And the only way to reconnect ourselves with our creator was for Jesus to come to earth and willingly give up his life. He paid a penalty of death for us for our sin, for our problems, for our our rebellion. And he said, I forgive you. And that connection is what allows us to have a relationship with our our creator, with Jesus and with the Father. And so I want to give you that opportunity today. And I'm telling you guys, everything we talked about today, the meaningful relationships, the depth, the value, the adding to it, the the belonging, to fitting in, all of it starts with a relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to count to three. If anyone is in this room and feels something in their heart, and maybe this is new to you, and almost, I don't know, it feels like butterflies, or it feels like, like knots in your stomach, or just a, an urging, or just sort of a pushing, that would be God kind of nudging you, saying, I want to know you. I want to know you. And I would say, don't resist it, because if God is calling you, he has something in mind for you to restore your life, to change it. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're saying, I don't have this hope. Maybe I still am in this this place where I don't fit in or I don't belong. I want you to have an opportunity. I want you to have an opportunity to be able to move beyond that. And immediately, Jesus, what the Bible tells us is when you say this prayer, we're going to say in just a moment, that he comes into your heart and he, he something like miraculous happens. Your soul comes alive and you have a connection with God. And I'm not saying that immediately all your problems are going to go away. But what I am saying is that it's the first step to you having hope and being able to rebuild your life. 
So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you want that today. And no one's looking around. We're just gonna, we're just gonna pray a prayer. All of us are gonna pray together. One, just get your hand ready. God, I ask that you would, that you would, that you would touch people and pull people to want to know you today. Two, three. Raise your hand right now if you wanna know Jesus. If you wanna start this life, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up, stretch it up high to heaven. The Bible teaches us that, that it says that when people give their hearts to Jesus, that angels in heaven are rejoicing for the choices that you have made. And as we pray together, keep your hands up, guys. We're gonna pray together. Let's say this out loud. Everyone could join us together. Jesus, would you come into my life? Help me to live for you. I'm sorry for trying everything my way. Forgive me of my sin and teach me to live for you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give a hand to those who raise their hands? Amen.